1: Horse welfare and safety are of utmost importance where humans have any interaction with horses. Within the courses at International Horse College, we only utilise methods that promote safe and humane ways of interaction between horses and humans. We only support safe methods of educating riders, handlers and trainers about horse welfare. Internationalhorsecollege.com Registered Training Organisation 31352 I'm excited to have our guest back today. We've had Meredith on before, so our guest is Meredith Chapman. She's been on episode 131, 131, or if you just go to horsechats.com and search for Meredith, you'll find her. In the previous episode, you found out a bit more about Meredith, what she's doing, what her current studies are, and the important research that she's doing. But today, we're going to talk to Meredith about 10 important safety considerations when working with horses. How are you, Meredith? Yes, well, thank you, Dennis. Fantastic. Meredith, the important safety considerations working with horses, I mean, we all talk about safety with horses and we all think that we're as safe as we can be. But tell us just briefly why you've chosen this subject because obviously we're not as safe as what we can be because there's too many accidents around horses and I'm sure you'd have some research to show that some of those could be prevented. Yeah. Would you like to say anything else about that before we get started on the ten points?
0: Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, look, you're probably aware that um, Safe Work and New South Wales regulated does a lot of um, statistical and analysis and all other independent research. Essentially, unfortunately, still one person is being admitted a day to a hospital in Australia somewhere as a result of a horse-related uh, accident or injury. We see it both in sporting and in the working environments. Uh, we know that horses are inherently dangerous and have some behaviours that we need to be aware of. Uh, and, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, people are still getting injured and some of them are very serious that they can't work or ride a horse again. So it's just an ever-going issue that we need to be really um, astute and mindful of how we can prevent these interactions from going pear
1: Yes. Yes, for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, look, we'll talk about the first point you've got. And it's easy for experienced horse people to talk about body language and understanding of behavioral cues. But can you talk a bit more about that? Because we're not going to know what a horse is thinking about in the English language point of view. But if we watch their body language, can you talk a bit more about how to watch the body language and what we need to be watching for?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, it's uh, unfortunate. They can't speak to us. It would be so much easier. But uh, the horse, the horse's body language either shows that they're happy or they're saddled or they're not. And some of their not so happy cues that you can see is obviously their ears backwards, not pointing forwards when you're looking at them. That if their eyes are wide open or alert. Uh, this can indicate also that the horse is um, you know, possibly a bit scared or not happy with the situation. They're uh, positioning their body away from you, so and especially turning their rump to you is a very clear indication uh, that the horse doesn't want to have you in their happy zone.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Also, they can be happy with the herd. But they don't want to interact with humans, so they're more happy being with their herd or other you know, in another spot, running away, even just pulling back, all of those body behaviours that the horse is presenting is showing that they're clearly not happy with us in space. Mm -hmm, mm
1: -hmm. So it's not necessarily the horses being badly trained or a bad horse. It's them trying to communicate with us to let us know how they feel.
0: Absolutely. They're trying to express in unspoken words, you know, how safe they do feel with us.
1: Okay. Okay. Can we go on then from there, unless there's some, any particular points that you did want to say and talk about? This is number two, the importance of groundwork because, you know, people come and typically people think that, you know, riding and, and the enjoyment that we get from riding, you know, and the feeling of the power and the, the um, energy and everything else and the adrenaline goes with us. But the importance of groundwork and how the important groundwork you know, which sounds really boring, but if you do it properly, it can be quite rewarding. But can you talk about the importance of groundwork within the safety considerations?
0: Yeah, definitely. I think in my last podcast, I spoke about two thirds planning and one third doing. Yes. And this kind of rolls on from that, being that the more time we spend with this undomesticated animal, if you think, you know, a horse is not a domesticated animal. It's it's a herd, flight or fight um, animal with its own mind. And the the more groundwork, which equals time that we spend with that horse before we ride it or take it anywhere, the happier the horse is going to be and more accepting of our human contact. Mm -hmm. So, you know, spending time with the horse, um, with the halter and leading up, teaching the horse to lunge, uh, load, rugging it, this all desensitises the horse's natural flight or fight instinct from you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we need to be very aware, obviously, of the horse's strike zones, its front feet and its back feet. Um, Things like with groundwork, um, you can uh, have to be very aware that these are the positions that you don't stand or go. And, yeah, groundwork just cements the foundation, obviously, the two-thirds planning for when you climb aboard and, and ride the horse.
1: Yep. Yeah. And for those who at this stage already and didn't hear your first interview, I think if you can go back and have a quick listen to that, and then you'll get more understanding of what Meredith's talking about here. The third point we've got, Meredith, is about buying or leasing a horse. You know, what to look for and what questions to ask, because that's a really big step. If someone starts off riding and they start off, you know, with the friend, with even their own family or, um, you know, through a riding school or other ways, and then they get to the step when they go to buy a horse. I've seen some people make some really bad decisions here, and sometimes even some inexperienced instructors choosing a horse that they would like for themselves instead of choosing a horse which is good for the student. So, can you talk a bit about the safety and the type of horses that we should be getting?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, by there is that many horses for sale. There's lots of opportunities to lease horses and um, often it is people that don't have experience that are looking to purchase for their, their child or themselves wanting to take up you know, the board of horses. And I, I think often mistakes can be made, especially with the vulnerable people that have little experience. And then you have the love of wanting to own a horse. So some of the key points that I would suggest people look for if they're purchasing or buying a horse is look at the groundwork. is established. Um, and in some of those points that I talked about previously, want to know that the horse can lead up beside you, that it can load, that you can put a rug on and off it without the horse jumping sideways. But it is desensitised to the person when you're standing there watching how the buyer is handling the horse Uh, horse and I always like to ask the person to uh, the the seller to show me you know what the horse can do get them to ride or handle the horse first and what you're looking for is that the horse is soft you know it's got a nice lateral flexion it's supple and its paces are smooth it's walk trot and canter and it's happy with those changes and where that person is asking it to go it's important to ask mm-hmm. the seller of the horse's history, health history, and its, it's yep. breeding or sale history. You know, Mm -hmm. knowing, Mm -hmm. you know, has the horse had any injuries or is there any issues with its health or, you know, what type of breeding is it and and who's owned it before you? Those are important questions. And then, and finally, and some people don't offer this, but, you know, where you can, if you can trial a horse or, you know, definitely um, have a go with the horse away from its usual environment, it's been accustomed to where it's lived. If you can have a trial of it, that's even better.
1: Yep yeah, I think that's important too, sometimes you know, and I've seen it. People go out and walk and trot a horse, and you might say, "Well, are you going to canter it? Oh no, I'll wait until I get home to canter it. And I think if you're looking at a horse to buy, you you put it through as many situations, different situations as you can. So yeah, taking it away to another spot, ideally, a trial, but even yeah. just riding it in a different situation would be ideal.
0: Mm. Absolutely.
1: Now, what about, we talked a little bit about it before, number four is getting the right fit, the rider and the horse match.
0: Yeah. Look, this is a really key point, you know, evaluating if the horse and the rider does suit. And, you know, when you're obviously trying a horse or riding it or going to buy one, you know, that's the type of thing that you want to see, that it's the horse is not fighting with the rider or the rider's not scared when they're, approaching or handling a horse to start with before they even get on the horse. Yep. Uh, all of those things are really important and that the, so that the person's mounted to their actual capabilities and in saying that, it's always good to have someone else independently assess you with that horse because oh, unfortunately, we, we kind of always want to think we're possibly a little bit better than what we are and... The true independent view from somebody else is is often really helpful. A couple of points with the right fit, you know, putting a beginner or a really experienced rider on a horse that's in work doesn't fit. Putting an older, like myself, less agile rider on a green broke horse. It's, it's horses for causes and making sure that you've, you know, ticked all the boxes and, and checked that it's the right fit. Yep, yep.
1: All right. The next thing we're talking about is the health, and it's not just the health of the horse because, you know, you've talked about that a little bit when you talked about the buying the horse, but you've got the horse, the rider, and the handler health.
0: Yeah. So, you know, obviously when flipping back to the buying horse or leasing it, you know, make sure that it doesn't have any health issues such as it, it can, you know, it only got adequate nutrition, it's better trimmed and not too long or chipped or you know, uh, brutal. But it's teeth done, and especially at some stage in its younger life where it's an older horse, that it has, it's t- has been professionally um, checked by a, a horse dentist or a vet. Uh, that there's no obvious wounds or cuts or erasions on the horse because if you're trying to do something with a the horse, they act very quick pain. Mm-hmm. Not to necessarily what you're doing. It's it's the pain that they're feeling. So if you're putting a saddle on, you want to make sure that there is no cuts or open wounds over the wither, for example, and that the horse is good on sight. Uh, that's an important one. And as far as the, you know, the rider or the handler, definitely not intoxicated. Yes. <laughs> that helps. Yes. And, you know, if someone's feeling unwell, you're a bit mazed or dizzy or fatigued. Definitely, it's not the right time to go and handle ride a horse. And you know, in particular, people with medical conditions, epilepsy or diabetes. You know, it's important to know a rider's their their actual physiological health.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. So that can go up and down, can't it? If someone's riding a horse in the morning, it may not suit them to ride in the afternoon because of their health. They're particularly yeah. fatigued or if they've got another reason. So it's looking at the health not just on an overall point of view but from a day-to-day, hour-to-hour day-to-day. point of view. Yeah, yeah, Yep. Yeah, yep. Yeah. All right, now we've talked about buying or leasing a horse but now about the gear and the tap. Do you want to talk about that?
0: yeah yeah, um, like the horse being right, but as you, the gear that you're used on a horse. so little things like a, a bit that you're placing in the horse's mouth is that it's not too small or too big that it doesn't rub or pinch. But the bridle and the equipment that you're using, for example, the bridle fits the horse properly, um, but there's no pressure points on the horse's head because often they're really sensitive in their ears and their pole areas, especially. Mm-hmm. Um, all the straps are in their keepers. That's really helpful. You've got keepers there for a reason, and never use worn frayed gear, whether it's a girth, whether it's reins, whatever, because there you you are be able to rely on your gear. That's your safety points um, of control. And let's adjust it to fit the horse itself. Um, make sure it's clean. That there's not excessive dirt or sweat or is in your girth because a horse is not going to like that when you when you um, tension up the girth, and make sure that you use the right gear for the right task that you're using. And, for example, you wouldn't ride in a jockey's pad if they're mustering cattle all day. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and and particularly the other thing, you know, more afraid gear, if it's no good, just get rid of it mm. um, if it's damaged. Yep. Don't, yep. don't play with, you know, don't play with your, your fire and, and safety.
1: Yes, yes. All right. I think those points so far have been quite good. Now, you've actually got to the riding part now because you're talking about a safety stop lever or a one rein stop. Would you like to talk a bit more about, because sometimes people might not have heard of the term one rein stop. So if you can talk a bit about that and when you'd need to use it, why you'd need to use it.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, if if we think we're, you know, we're positioned on a horse, it's an all powerful animal with its own mind. And You know, as I mentioned, we're domesticating it, we're we're loving it, we're trying to um, have this animal comply with different activities we're asking it to do. One of the important things, if things do go wrong and they can, a horse can bolt, they can rear, they can, you know, get a faster pace when you're not ready, it's important to have a a really good safety backup, and that is what I describe it as a one-round stop. So... It's important to teach every ride this and actually practice it. You can start that process on the ground with the horse by gently um, flexing their head around to either shoulder um, when you've got a halter on or a rein. And basically, what you're doing is you're disengaging the horse from any forward movement. So, a safety lever or one rein stop is basically sliding your hand down one um, on your bridle and you gently pull him or you pull the uh, horse's head tipping his nose around uh, towards your knee and the horse's head flexes until he stops. When he Mm -hmm. stops, you release the pressure. Um, Particularly important if a horse is getting a faster pace or falting that you don't do it quickly uh, and abruptly that you basically allow the horse to like spiral down but just pulling on the horse's head either side and letting the other offside rein, um, keeping it loose, uh, to engage the horse from their forward movement.
1: Okay, okay, and I think that's a that's a good one to have in mind as well, and probably something that could be taught at a fairly early age or fairly early within a lesson. Not that you want to, you know, think that you need a one rein stop with school horses with quiet horses when you're learning, but If you learn it early, then you've always got it up your sleeve, haven't you? Yeah. Yeah,
0: Absolutely. And it just becomes an unconscious response.
1: Yes, yes, yes.
0: Instead of pulling on the rein, yeah, pulling one rein.
1: Yep, yep. All
0: right. Now, I'm just going to go through
1: these a little bit, okay? So, number one, we talked about body language and watching horses and some of the signals that they can do different behavioural cues. Number two was the importance of groundwork, getting to know your horse strike zone, human and horse respect. Number three was buying or leasing a horse and what to look for and pre-purchase questions. Sorry, that was number three. Number four is getting the horse the right fit for the horse and rider match. Then we talked for number five about the horse rider handler health. And then six was the fit for purpose gear and tack, the right fit and the right type. Number seven was the safety stop lever, or the one rein stop. Now let's talk a little bit more, and we're sort of going a little bit to the side here and talking about peer pressure and safety. Was you know how peer pressure can come in to the safety when you're riding and safety around horses?
0: Yeah, it's an interesting one. Why mm. I was that mean, but you know, like. People in groups and particularly if you're riding with other um, people at the same age and they've got different levels of riding and trying different things, sometimes you may not feel as confident with what someone else is doing, but you kind of go with the flow because you don't want to look silly or stand out or be different. You can't do it. So I think as a rider, one of the... Most important thing to a handler of a horse is that you know your level of capabilities, um, and you are confident in yourself to say no if you don't feel uh, if your if your safety is compromised. So it's more to me about your safety. Yes, we always like to think about our horse's safety, but um, number one is your safety and being confident in yourself as a handler or rider. That if you're in a situation where you don't feel safe, that you can say no and not feel pressured by the people around you. And that also comes into sensation-seeking, doing something that you know is out of your scope or capabilities. You often see that in sports uh, with horses. But yeah, just being able to say no and standing tall and feeling comfortable with that decision.
1: Yep, yep. That was good, number eight. You know, it's just something that was a bit different, but something certainly to think about. The next one is number nine, and we're going to talk about the environment. You know, what's suitable? A variety of environments, but what's safe?
0: Yeah. Well, we have talked about horse and rider, but that's all great. It's, it's about where we're we going to place those two. And I think it's really important that we always look around uh, for where the safest place is going to be, whether it's hanging on the horse or where you know where you're riding, um, it's good to always start in a bit of a confined, controlled, secure area like a small ranch out if you don't feel confident or a pen, and then increase as you do feel more confident or another person that is watching you is who is probably more capable to say that now I think you're ready to go into a larger area. Mm-hmm. Um, always be alert and on the side of caution, predicting what might happen or what might trigger the horse to do an unwanted um, behavioural response. I think it's important to let someone know where you're going all the time and what you're up to and where possible, you know, if you can ride with someone or handle handle a horse with someone else around, that's a really important thing to do. Uh, because remember, they are a lot heavier than us, a lot stronger than us, and um, yeah, accidents and incidents and, and misses too can happen very quickly.
1: Yes, yes. And you talked about triggers for unwanted behaviour responses. It's the triggers, but then yeah. it's looking at the body language, which you know sort of takes you back to number one, doesn't it? They are important considerations, and they are all important individually, but all important when you put them together as well.
0: Yeah, and, and like it could be the horse's behaviour or it could be something that's out in the environment. It could be something lying on the ground that you know that that your horse may not be as happy with and shy. So mm. be prepared yourself for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. All right, now number 10 is the hierarchy of horse safety controls. And you've also got a note here that helmet is not the most effective tool.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, because of my industry experience with lots of other industries in workplace health and safety um, mining construction transport those types of industries the hierarchy of control is a risk mitigation tool and ppe personal protective equipment which is normal helmet, your gloves your safety boots are the lowest form they're the softest controls they're the ones that aren't going to give you the best results so with this Mandatory hierarchy uh, in industry, the highest controls are things like getting rid of the problem. And that could be saying this horse is not suitable for me. Um, engineering controls or substitution substitution may, um, you know, that's where the rider and horse match is really higher end control and a better control than putting a helmet on. Uh, our higher controls are things like training having enough training and the right training for whatever activity that you're doing communication very very important higher end control other than a helmet you know talking about this with a horse and human interaction reporting any misses or issues with the horse things that have happened make sure that you tell somebody else and discuss it then you know keep good records and managing the risks with horses um, are better controls than just putting a helmet on. I'm not saying don't wear a helmet, but what I'm saying is think past the helmet. Yes. In higher-end safety controls. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. And know that it's that's the soft control. So, um, yeah, starting off with... Helmet said, is the yeah, soft, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right. Now, Meredith, tell us before we go. So I'm just going to run through the 10, and then I want to talk about the survey that you're doing, and just a little bit about the research that you're doing. So we've got one is the body language and the understanding of the behavioural cues. Number two is the importance of groundwork. Number three, we talked about the type of horse to buy or lease. Number four is getting the right fit, the rider and horse match. Number five was the health of the horse and the rider and the handler. Number six We talked about the gear and the tack and getting the right fit and type. Number seven was the one rain stop. Number eight was peer pressure. Then number nine, we talked about environment. And number 10, we talked about the hierarchy of the horse safety controls. Yeah, yeah. Can -hmm. you tell us a bit now about the research that you're doing within the horse industry in regards to safety? Yeah,
0: for sure. My research topic is investigating workplace health and safety tools that we use in other industries, mm-hmm. and looking at how some of those tools can reduce um, horse-related human injuries and fatalities in both a work and non-work environment. I have three studies, and the study is well underway with a sur- an online survey. And it's currently reached about eight different countries around the world. And we have 40 different disciplines, uh, different horse and equine disciplines um, that have participated so far. And the survey is all about knowing what people think. I'm wanting to get into the heads of horse people and understand um, they think about risks with horses and their perception around horses, whether it's riding or handling horses and also I'm wanting to know what their thoughts are about safety, what they write is important, what you know safety aspects they use when they're approaching horses. So the survey is very much a qualitative survey and finding out what people think. And then that will help me with my other studies and developing, hopefully, you know, trialing different tools uh, within the hierarchy of control to see if we can reduce horse-related injuries and deaths in Australia and overseas, potentially. Yeah. So the survey study number one. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse-riding instructor,
1: or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse-riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look,
0: horsechats.com.
1: Now, you said before that you've reached a few different countries, so input from other countries is going to be beneficial, isn't it?
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, I just think, you know, a majority have been Australian so far, but when you think we take a lot of riding skills from America, for example, cutting styles, dressage, Germany, and you know, UK. So I think we need to listen to what our other... Um, horsey
1: counterparts think as well. mm -hmm. Yes. Not to make it better. Yeah, well, over 50 now, I think, different countries. So if you are in a country different to Australia, certainly get on and do the survey because I think the research that comes out is going to be available to everyone, and I think the input from people in different countries is going to help with the research. Yeah, it's invaluable. Yep, yep. Now, that link to the survey will be on your page, which will be horsechats.com slash Meredith Chapman 2, but we're also going to put it on your original page, which is uh, episode 131, which is horsechats.com slash Meredith Chapman. But go to horsechats.com, search for Meredith or search for Chapman and you should be able to. I, I think even if you search for survey, you might be able to get it and you should be able to then help with assisting with that survey. Yeah, And as I said, the research is going to be available for everyone, so your input is going to be invaluable. And Meredith, if people like to contact you direct, what's the best way? Probably
0: best just to contact me via email.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: They can either, you yeah, know, merida at safetyinfocus.com.au or my CQU Uni 1, which is m.j.chapman, that's ctu.edu. And I just wanted to say, Gladys, that the survey is only taking seven minutes, but maximum 15. Mm -hmm. And I've extended
1: it to the end of August. Well, that's good because it's good knowing that it's not going to take a long time. So if you can do a quick job that's going to help the horse industry and do it in seven minutes, that's brilliant. All right. Thanks, Meredith. Great to talk to you today. i um, really happy with your insights. Hopefully we can help with your survey. But, you know, I enjoyed the talk on the important safety considerations when working with horses, and hopefully other people have picked up some tips there as well. So thank you. All
0: right. You're welcome. Thanks,
1: Glennis. Bye. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe.